0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship with us. Uh, If you would, take your copy of God's Word and open to Luke 15. Luke 15 is where you will find our text for today. And we're talking about lost stuff, the value of of one, the value of one thing. And Jesus gives an illustration uh, here in Luke 15, multiple illustrations to make the points of the value of each individual who is lost and far from God, of God's love and his redeeming nature and the joy that God has in redeeming lost things. Not lost things, but lost persons. And so we are looking through this as we're thinking about this and we're beginning to pray for individuals that we know. Imagine if, if each of us each person here began to pray for one person. I challenged you with that last week. Who is your one? And I hope that the Lord has placed someone on your heart to begin to, to pray for, and you're beginning to look through those verses and pray for them, and pray for opportunities that you might minister to them and share the gospel with them, that we could see and rejoice as heaven does, as God does, with the redemption of those who are once lost and come to a saving faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. And as we begin this morning, I want to ask you something. Have you ever lost something very important to you? All of us have. Perhaps you've lost your keys. Perhaps you've lost a wallet, a phone, right? Phones have become very important to us. Jewelry, maybe a kid. Have you ever lost a kid? Oh, come on now. If you've never lost a kid, it's because you don't have a kid, all right? They're small, and they're like little ninjas, okay? Okay? Um, I've got a few stories now. Now I have six kids, so before you get all judgy, okay, uh, my ratio is actually pretty good considering I have six kids. But uh, there was a few stories that I thought about that I could share. But there's one in particular that I think uh, Krista would agree was the most frightening. And that is one day we lived in Tennessee we're out we lived in the middle of nowhere like we lived on 70 acres in the middle of thousands of acres of just trees there was a few houses scattered down our road it was a it was a mountainside and there was nothing there but our road and bears and rattlesnakes and woods And we're outside working one day, and we're just doing different things. The kids play around. We lived on a farm. They just they did kind of their own thing, and all of a sudden it hit us: where is (laughs) coal? And so we're trying to think: when was the last time we saw coal? And we couldn't remember. We're asking the kids: where's coal? I don't know. Well. Cole had been, like, they, spring had come, and they had been kind of into hiking in the trails in the woods, so our first thought is, you know, Cole's, well, our first thought is that the neighbor across the street way back there had chickens, and Cole loves chickens, so we're thinking, Cole must have went over to see the chickens, or he's back in a trail, or a bear's eaten, and we, and the thing is, we don't even know where to backtrack from, because we don't know when Cole disappeared, and uh, y'all know I'm loud, right? Like, We only need the microphones for the people on the radio, okay? I can fill this room. I was yelling. We were screaming. We were freaked out. All of a sudden, a car drives up to the bottom of our driveway. A truck drives up to the bottom of our driveway and stops. And so we run down there, and Cole's in the truck with these people. (laughs) And... And they're waiting for the police to make sure that he's our kid because they found him about a mile up the road. He had wandered back through the woods somehow. I don't even know where this path was. It's not like a trail we usually took. Wound out by the road and somebody driving down the street picked him up and brought him back. Now... Well, he told them where we lived. He, he told them where to go and they stopped and they called the police and they waited for the police to come and so here we are going, yeah, we lost a kid. Um, we were freaked out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy that we had when we saw Cole when he came back and he wasn't eaten by a bear? <laughs> Have you ever had those moments in your life? Have you, have you ever had that kind of a loss? That kind of something where something so precious to you has gone missing and you, you don't know what to do and you're frantically searching and your heart rate is, rate is beating and you're thinking ahead of, the, oh my goodness, what could happen? What has happened? What will I do? And then you find it! Ha! Ah. That's the illustration that Jesus gives for us today. In Luke 15, I told you last week, this is often called God's lost and found chapter. There's there's three stories, if you pay attention, there's actually four stories of lost things that need redemption. And it's interesting the way that, that this chapter paints God as caring and loving and desiring to redeem every person. We've seen value in each person. Think about this. The first story that we looked at was the story of the lost sheep. And in the lost sheep, it was one out of 100 that needed to be redeemed. Today, we're going to look at the story of the lost coin. It's one out of ten. The next story is the, the story, the illustration of the prodigal son or the lost son, the loving father, and that's one out of two. There's two brothers. The fourth story, if you pay attention, is at the end of the story of the prodigal son, and it has to do with the the other brother who then rejects the father and the father's love and his care even for that one. See, God created each and every one of us. He loves each and every one of us, and He sent a, redeem, a Redeemer that anyone who would believe, He will save. Look with me at our text today. You'll find our text in Luke chapter 15, and let me begin just in verse 1. I'll, I'll read through last week's parable and into ours, so verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to hear him. This is what instigates uh, Jesus' parables here. These four stories of of lost people who the Father loves and rejoices when they repent. See, Jesus uh, was often criticized because he would eat with, recline with, hang out with, talk to, love the people that the religious people said, Don't love. Don't eat with them. Don't talk to them. The, the tax collectors here, I mean, tax day's coming up. I hope you're all set up for that. Right? We don't like to write that check, do we? <laughs> but tax collectors, even then, were much worse. The, the Romans had come and they've taken over Israel, they're ruling it. God's people are under the authority of an ungodly ruler. And the ungodly ruler has said, you've got to pay me so I don't kill you. you. You've got to pay me so that you can have peace. And not only that, but then he used Jewish people to collect the taxes from their brothers. So can you see how, how that would... You'd feel like that's a traitor? Okay, imagine this. This is, this is, this is, this is like the most... Uh, obscure illustration but imagine that canada comes down and takes us over right (laughs) a (laughs) okay And, and 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 they're gonna they're gonna tax you and so they have fellow americans collect the taxes you'd say you traitor okay and that's what's going on. And so they hated these tax collectors. These tax collectors weren't allowed to go into worship. They weren't even allowed to testify if they had witnessed a crime because they were, they were seen as such untrustworthy un, people because they would take taxes from their own brothers. They weren't even allowed to testify in court. They were unclean. They were banished from society. And all that that did was make them more and more greedy. And then the sinners, those are, are, are the Jewish people, the Israelites there within the, the nation that had just given up on trying to keep the laws. They had just given up on this burden that was placed on them and, and all of this religious structure. And, and so they were, they were far from God. They, they didn't have a desire to know Him. They didn't have a desire they, they, many like in our culture today Perhaps you grew up in a church, you have a background, and as you got older you saw hypocrisy and you saw things that you didn't like and you walked away. That would be very much like the sinners. And so Jesus welcomed these people that everyone else said, your life is too wrong, your life is too dirty, you've made too many mistakes, you are too far from God. And here Jesus is accused of drawing near to them, of eating with them. And Mark, it says that he reclines at a table with them. He loved everyone. Jesus also ate with the religious people. Nobody accused him of doing that, but there's stories of that as well. And so that sets it off. And so in light of this, in light of these accusations that why in the world would Jesus eat with the sinners? Why in the world would, would, would Jesus come to and want to be with people who were in bad places, who've done bad things. Jesus gives these four parables. The the first is the one of the the lost sheep. And we looked at this last week. I'll just read it. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And he comes home and he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. It's the first parable. The first parable, the shepherd represents God, we represent the sheep. The religious people, the Pharisees, the ones that are accusing Jesus, are the, the ones that think that they don't need repentance. Simple story. God finds his lost sheep. His, we come to repentance, and there is great joy over anyone who would come and who would trust in Christ, who would be redeemed and restored to God. Here's the parable today that we're going to look at. It begins in verse 8 what woman having 10 silver coins if she loses one coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house to see and diligently seek it until she finds it and when she has found it she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying rejoice with me for i have found the coin that i had lost just so i tell you there is joy before the angels of god over every over one sinner who repents. This morning, we're going to look at this coin. And as we look at this coin, I I want you to see why this woman is so attached to this coin. As we think about it and we think about the historical context, it's going to pop out to you that it's more than just a coin. It is of immeasurable value. And I want you to realize that Everyone who you meet, everyone that you know, you yourself have an immeasurable value. You are created in the image of your maker. He loves you and he wants you to know him. First thing that we see is that this coin is precious. This coin is precious. Now, we might look at this thing and go, okay, it was just one coin, like you give up after a while. You can't find it. It's a coin. You cut your losses. But what I want you to realize is that historically what this would have been understood, this idea of a woman that had ten coins, it's not just a collection of coins in her purse. What happened in this culture is that a woman, when she was married, the father would give her coins, and they would be made into a headband that she would wear around her head. It was much like a wedding ring. Has anyone ever lost a wedding ring? Let me tell you right now, if you want to earn $100, I will give it to you gladly. Two years ago, Krista's wedding ring went missing in our house. We offered, it's got a $100 bounty on it, okay? We have searched, we have pulled everything apart. The only thing that we haven't done is, is cut the dog open to look for it. But, and when she dies, that might be an option. I mean, we looked and looked and looked. We cannot find it. We, we got all the kids one-on-one and we turned on a spotlight over their head and interrogated them. None of them cracked. They all have the same story. I mean, we even started asking the neighbor kids, like, you know, in a nonchalant, non-accusatory way, did you steal my ring? Um, <laughs> cannot find Krista's engagement ring. We finally broke down. Last year for her, for her, uh, for her anniversary, we, we bought another one. But uh, we would still like to find that one. I mean, we have, we have swept the house, lit the lights, done everything we could, and it hasn't turned up. Could you imagine though? I mean, that's, that's the intensity that's here. The coin is more than just a coin. The, the, the coin, again, it was, it was typically given by the father on the day of the wedding and it declared that she was a married woman, much like a, an engagement or, or a wedding ring would to you in your society today. It also showed her independence. It was a constant reminder to her husband and to everyone that if something were to happen, she would have a little bit of something to be able to establish herself. It it was also used in a way to identify sinful women within the culture. Women whose father didn't honor their marriage, they wouldn't give them this. It's also noted that women, if they had committed infidelity or something would happen, that the coin might be removed. So you can begin to see why the search was so intense. Why the value, right? So your wedding ring, ladies, I would say men, but I've replaced my wedding ring like four times, so I don't know that mine has the same inherent value that that ladies tend to. But ladies, your, your wedding ring is worth more to you than just the cost that it would take to replace it, right? Like, if you lost it and and you had it insured and your insurance says, okay, this is how much you said it's worth, we're going to give it to you. You'd be like, great! No, you'd be like, man, I really... It's not the same. It's not the same. This coin, it was more worth more to her than the face value of the coin itself. Do you see that? By using this illustration, Jesus is showing to us, when we to understand the the cultural concept and and, and why she would go through such an extreme search to find it and, and why it was so pressing, it wasn't just because it was a silver coin, it was because it was something very valuable and very special and irreplaceable. Who's the coin in this parable? We are. We're the coin. Friends, I want you to know God doesn't just look at the population of the world and see billions of people and say, oh, billions of people. He doesn't count you by your social security number. He doesn't count you by the nation that you live in. He knows you. He created you. He loves you. And He has a plan for you. You are of value before God. No matter who you are, No matter what you've done, you've been made in His very image. He loves you. So we see the value of this coin. We we see that this this coin is a precious coin to her. It shows us that we are precious to God as individuals. The second thing that we see is a passionate search. A passionate, passionate Search Look at what she said. Look, at, look at what Jesus says. It says, uh, having, "What woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and diligently seeks, seek it until she finds it." This coin goes missing, and the woman immediately goes about passionately, a, 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 as fast as she can. She turns on the light. She, she does everything that she can to find this coin. Again, we understand this when we realize the preciousness of it. Then the search makes sense, right? Friends, this morning we come together and we started our service with, uh, with the palms and uh, remembering Hosanna and, and Jesus coming on riding on a donkey as he, as he comes into the Passion Week of Jerusalem. Easter is next week. All of this points to the passionate search and all the effort that God has done and and what has happened that you might be saved. That God loves you and your salvation, your redemption came at a great cost by God Himself. He not only loves you and says, oh, I I like you and you're of great value, but He goes and He searches and that He sends His Son. He redeems us. Listen just from one, one book of the Bible what it says about God's love and, and his searching for us. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a given. We've all sinned. We've all fallen from God's glory. We've all messed up. Because of that, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the search. God made possible that we could be redeemed because He loves us. Romans 5, verse 8 God showed His love for us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? While we were still sinners, while we were still far from God, while we were incapable, we're like that lost coin. We're hidden in the dark, in the dirt, and we're of no use to God. But he searches for us. He sends his son and Christ dies for us. This is the point of Easter week. This is the point of Palm Sunday. This is the point of Good Friday. This is the point is that Jesus came. He took upon Himself our sin, your sin. That which you say, which you think in your mind that others have told you keeps you far from God. He wouldn't want you. You're a sinner. You're a tax collector. That very thing that would hold you back from turning to God is the very thing that was placed on the Savior. Oh, that you would acknowledge that and turn to Him. That you would say, Yes, I have sinned, but I have a Savior. My sin was paid for by Jesus. That's Easter. That's what we're talking about. And then He was raised from the dead, He was raised to new life, just as you, if you trust in Him, can be raised to new life, completely forgiven. Romans 10 tells us how we connect all of this together. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. In our parable, in the parables that we're looking at, this idea of believing and confessing is given one word. Repentance. That's the word that, that, that sums up all of this confessing and believing. That we've come to understand what Jesus did for us. That we were the lost coin and that we were found and that we were redeemed. And because of that, we acknowledge our sin. We confess our sin and we trust in Christ. True repentance. We turn from our sinfulness and we turn to Christ. If you're willing to do that, God will save you. What a wonderful, loving father he is, no matter what you've done. No matter how lost you are, He'll find you. He'll save you. So we see that the coin is of immeasurable value. We are of immeasurable value. We see the willingness that she is to do anything that it's restored. And and we see that, that, that God is willing to do so much for us. You know, how does God find us? You want to know how God searches and finds us so often? He uses situations in our life. He uses hard things in our life. He brings us to our end that we look to Christ and say, I need you. Nobody comes to faith. Nobody gets their lives transformed. Nobody says, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. I think I'll just add Jesus to this. That's not repentance repentance is to realize I have sinned against God. I have made mistakes. I have guilt. I'm ashamed. Others are saying things about me, and it's true. I don't want to do this, but I'm trapped in this. I don't know what to do. I need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus. Would you turn from your sin and Turn to Him. He will save you. That's how God searches for us. His his gospel comes out. His Spirit empowers us. Our eyes are open to His beauty and His grace and we long for His forgiveness. When that happens, we see a pleasing response. That's the third thing in our text today. A pleasing response. The woman finds the coin and she is joyful. She's excited static right you ever lost a kid (laughs) you're happy verse 10 makes the transition to heaven look at verse 10 of chapter 15 just so i tell you there is joy before the angels of god over one sinner that repents did you read that careful We often say, when someone gets saved, the angels of heaven rejoice. That's true. But that's not what this text is saying. Who's rejoicing? It's God. It says, in the presence of angels there is rejoicing. God is rejoicing over the repentance of sinners. Why? Because he values them. Why? Because he's been searching for them. Why? Because he provided and sacrificed Christ to make possible their salvation. Oh, what a wonderful and a beautiful thing that it is. That which was lost has been restored. That which was in the dirt has been cleaned up. That which was in the dark has been brought into light. That which was not being used for what it was made for is now used for the glory of God. What a wonderful and beautiful thing redemption is. And it hinges on repentance. Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to trust in Jesus? Oh, what a beautiful thing it is. What a wonderful thing it does to please God. Friends, I want you to see this. Maybe you have bought into and and just have this picture of God as this mean, sovereign lawgiver who's just waiting for you to mess up. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you for that. I'm going to get you for that. Friends, that's not the God of the Bible. We worship a God who's like no other God. He doesn't sit in heaven above and just demand from us. He came to earth to save us. He loves us. He desires for you to know Him. He desires for you to repent and to call out to Him. He desires for you to trust in Him. He desires to have a restored relationship with you. He desires to see you be used for that which you were made for, to rejoice and, and to have joy and to glorify Him in all things. And I promise you, no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what your past is, no matter what you've thought in the before, no matter what you've said, if you would trust in Him, He will save you. He will redeem you. Are you willing to repent? Oh, there's lots of lost people. There's lots of lost things. Are we beginning to pray for them? I hope that we are. I hope that this series, as we look at this, is motivating all of us for the need for everyone to trust in Christ, for the the need for everyone to, to acknowledge Him, for God's love for each person. Who is your one? As we think about this and we think about this This story this morning, there's something that uh, I I, I found, and it's much like this. I I told you last week, I lose everything. Um, In fact, just to prove it to you, last night at 1120, I was at the church looking for my iPad. (laughs) I found it. (laughs) All right? I got something yesterday in the mail that I think is going to be life-changing, Okay? I got a a tile. Have you guys seen this? Because I lose my keys all the time. And so now, when my keys are lost, I can grab my phone. And it finds my keys. (laughs) And if I know where my keys are and not my phone, I can tap that and it finds my phone. I mean, this this is fantastic. Friends, I want to tell you, God's search for us is much like that. God is all-knowing. He knows where you are. He, 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 he doesn't, it's not like you're lost and He doesn't know where you are. You're lost in your sinfulness. You don't know His presence and power. The Bible tells us that salvation is, is much like this app. And what happens is there's going to be a time in your life. The way you come to faith in Jesus Christ is, is things are working. God's in the background. You don't recognize it. You don't know it. You're living a life of sin. But God hits the find button and something goes off and the Holy Spirit communicates with you and the gospel comes to you and you realize you light up and you start making noise and saying, I need salvation. Maybe that's you here today. You've never trusted in Christ. Perhaps when you were younger, something happened, but but you don't know what that is, and you say, today, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Today, I'm ready to receive forgiveness. Oh, would you come in repentance? Perhaps you've done that, and you say, I'm ready for my next step. I'm ready to be baptized. I'm ready to show publicly what happened to me on the inside that Jesus has forgiven me. Would you do that? For those of us who are following Christ, for those of us who are seeking to live in Christ and have been redeemed, this, this message should give us great hope and great joy. We've been found. Are we being used? I want to challenge you as we close again. Who's your one? Who is one person that you begin to pray for? That you begin to to say, how can I show them the love of Christ? How can I share the gospel with them that they might come to know the Savior? That that lost person might be awakened to the truth and found, redeemed, and used for God's glory. Oh, friends, what a beautiful story this is. You are precious to God. You are irreplaceable. He loves you. He's seeking you. He has provided a way of salvation. And if you would trust in Him, it would bring Him great joy to receive you, no matter what you've done. Are you willing to show repentance and faithfulness and trust in Him? Would you close your eyes as we... Go to prayer. This morning, if the Lord has spoken to you and you're ready to make a decision, I want to invite you during this next song, this time of commitment, you can come forward and speak with me. You can do it right there. Oh, the power of the gospel, even in our midst today, to transform. What a wonderful thing. I want to invite you. Would you repent? Would you trust in Christ? Would you be redeemed? Would you be restored? If the Spirit of God is working in your heart, do not delay. Oh, trust in Him. And we would love to celebrate that with you. Perhaps there's another decision baptism, church membership, something that the Lord has placed on your heart. Would you be faithful to do that today? Father, we thank you. For the great redemption that you have given us in Jesus Christ as we celebrate Christ this Passion Week. Lord, we we pray that you would help us to remember at the heart of it is your joy. At the heart of a, a Savior's death, at the heart of a Savior's punishment, at the heart of the Savior's suffering is the joy in heaven the joy of God, Your joy for us, that we would repent and believe and trust in You and be redeemed. Oh, Father, I pray that You would be doing that even now as I speak within this room. Lord, call Your sheep to You. Lord, find the coin that has been lost from You. And may we be willing to repent of our sin and trust in You today. I pray you would help those that need to make that decision to do it. That they would be opened and made alive to the gospel. And we might rejoice as you would in heaven. Lead us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.